Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Good morning, friends. Thank you, everyone who has trekked through lightning, thunder, rainstorms, and closed roads to get here. For anybody watching online, those who've made it in have have had a trek today. We've had our big city-wide event, the marathon and the half marathon, and all the roads are closed around us. So thank you all. And we had so many people, all of our volunteers, getting sick today. So lots of subs, and everyone is pitching in, and so thank you for making church happen today. We're going to begin today by talking about my favorite topic, food. You always find a way to work it in. You know, you you know how I roll. So has anybody out here ever used one of those meal kits where you subscribe or you order it and it shows up on your door, you get all the ingredients, nods, hands, okay. A lot of people started to get those during the pandemic. The, like, I feel like they said HelloFresh shot up like 120% in 2020. Well, since then, it's kind of died down just a little bit. But a lot of other services started to pop up. Like, okay, we can do this too. And I've been fascinated. Some of the names I read this week were called Gobble, Hungry Root, Dinnerly, Cumin Club. Have you heard of any of those? Okay, so I looked up four different articles. I just Googled, you know, what is the best meal kit delivery out there? And I found four articles. We had good housekeeping, food and wine, four different people reviewed. And those were some of the names that I found. On every single one of them, Home Chef landed. Now, fun fact, the more I dug in, the more I found out that Home Chef is created by our local Kroger. They are the ones that joined in the game. And they said that once Kroger and Amazon and some of the bigger names joined in, they started to kind of push out the other people. Now, HelloFresh, Sunbasket, and Purple Carrot also got mentioned on three of the four, each of those lists that I was reviewing this week. So these are some of the most popular ones. And popular meaning the reviewers looked at the following. They said, how easy are their recipes to follow? Uh, Does the time actually match what they say it's going to take for you to prepare? And things like variety and does it actually taste good? A lot of complaints about vegetarian meals. So these are the reviews. These are the, the top meal companies. Now, the thing is, Blue Apron, if you've ever heard of that, it was kind of like the darling. It was the original that got super popular. But apparently because people have kind of gone back to life as normal or they've tried out meals, got recipes, don't need to order it anymore, and it's gone down. And they are, they're at the point where the New York Stock Exchange says, you have one year to bring in more revenue or you're getting kicked off because that's how they've dropped. Now, I've never used one of these, so I asked some friends, like, what are the pros and cons? And, and some people were like, well, the cons are like, some days they don't, they don't offer delivery as frequently or as least frequently as I want. Or some of the meals have, like all the vegetarian meals, had the same ingredient that this one person didn't like. And somebody else said there's a lot of food waste or a lot of packaging waste that they didn't love. So that's how some of these were reviewed too. Like who is thinking ahead on all of these items? But the pros were, well, I've learned some new recipes I didn't know before. Had all the ingredients, don't have to go shopping. 
Um, some of these actually just deliver it all cut up for you, so super quick. And the final one that is some of my, several of my friends said, oh, I have teenagers in my house, and they can fix dinner for me now. So that's always a pro. Now, there's something that feels so modern, right? Like meals delivered to your doorstep. And yet, as we read Exodus chapter 16 today, I'm going to say Yahweh, the Lord God, was the first who came up with this meal delivery system. So see what you think. See if you agree with me as we read today. We have been reading through the book of Exodus, and this is our second half. And we have watched the Israelites become free. They were slaves in Egypt for centuries. And God, the Lord, who said, my name is Yahweh, and I've seen your pain, and I'm bringing you out of slavery. And he had a plan. And he partnered with Moses and Moses' brother Aaron to go speak to the king of Egypt, let my people go. And God did signs and wonders to finally convince Pharaoh to let the people go. Well, once they were free, we read a couple weeks ago, Pharaoh changed his mind and chased them down. So then they stood between the bad guys and a Red Sea, which we don't know exactly which sea it was. Uh, The Sea of Reeds is what it translates to. So some body of water they couldn't get across. And then God said, I'm going to save you again. And so he parted the sea. The people walked through on dry ground. And last week, when the kids were all in service with us, we had a celebration because that is what the Israelites did. Exodus chapter 15 is all a giant song, the first song recorded in the Bible. People had tambourines, and they were dancing, and they were celebrating because God continues to rescue people. But now, now there's some physical needs going on. So let's, let's start to read in Exodus chapter 15. And the first thing we find, verse 1, we're going to find our setting. So Exodus 16, verse 1, and that is in page 49 or 50. If you grab a pew Bible, we're going to put some words up on screen or turn in your devices. But the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came down to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So we've got like a month and a half from their deliverance. This is how long they've been traveling. And let's look at the map here, and we'll look at our trajectory. So the desert of sin is not this, it really means desert of the moon. That's the translation. It's not really like sin uh, as we know it. But I put some circles up on our map because it's kind of tricky to see. But up at the top circle is where they began. We know that for sure. I love this map. It's from the um, English Standard Version Bible. And there's a bunch of question marks because they're like, we're kind of guessing. So I like, you know, I like the honesty here. At the very bottom is going to be... Mount Sinai. That's where they're going to get the Ten Commandments and camp out for a while. So that's their goal. Now the circle in the middle is Elam. So somewhere between the middle circle and the bottom circle is where they are right now. And they've traveled. And I like, um, if, if you ever can look closer on this map, uh, there's like dotted lines. There's all these options of like, here's some ways that they might have traveled based on historians um, and the, the towns that they know about. So general trajectory is they're going to go all the way down south. Now, verse 2. The people have gotten hangry. Then the Lord said to Moses, oh wait, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. 
There, we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. I get it, guys. I'm a little hungry right now, and I'm already starting to be like, okay, I'm preaching fast. It's time for lunch. I get it. When you're hungry, you don't feel great. But did you see them kind of gloss over years of slavery, focused on Egyptians' menu? Like, okay, guys, like, let's draw a line somewhere. Let's keep reading verse 4. So Yahweh responds to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for the day, and in this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they can gather on the other days. It's very nice of Yahweh. I mean, if the people are talking to me, I would be like, hey, clueless people, I don't want you to die. Did you see all the stuff I did to just get you to this point? I'm gonna, it's okay, I've got you. But he's more patient. He's a little bit more patient than I am. So he's nice, and he rains down food. Now this word rain, it's only been used a few times in the Bible up to this point. And it's been negative, let's say. There was the rain that turned into the flood, and we've got Noah and the ark. There was a rain of fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. There was rain of hail on the people of Egypt in the ten plagues. But now we have good rain, a rain of bread, sustenance coming to people. Now, for me, when I read this, I'm just kind of like, okay, I can see the parental perspective of Yahweh here, right? If the kids in your life are ever whining, they're annoying, but you give them food anyway, right? You give them dinner. So God is like, I've got you. I care about you. I'm trying to help you, okay? So he's like sending a message to say, look, I care about your physical needs. I see you. I know you need food. And I also care about the people you are becoming. So the way he's going to bring them food is also going to teach them a, de- a lesson because he cares about their internal development as much as their physical sustenance. So let's keep reading. The people grumbled. Yahweh made a plan. But Moses and Aaron, they could still be kind of ticked about it. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Now, I imagine Moses and Aaron are a little less patient than Yahweh at this point. They have sacrificed a lot. They're the ones that had to go stand before the really angry, hateful king of Egypt and say all the things on behalf of the people so that they would be let free. They have been trying to lead these people through the desert. We didn't even read the end of Exodus 15 where the people have already been frustrated about water availability. So Moses and Aaron are the thankless leaders at the front of this million people, over a million people staring at them, being frustrated, saying, where's our food? So the attitude has been piling up. But I love that even in the midst, God shows his glory to them. Because sometimes 
God recognizes our human limitations, that we're hungry and we're tired and we don't know where we're going next. And God gives us a reminder of his presence. And sometimes that comes through other people. Sometimes that comes when you hear a worship song that we sing together. Sometimes that comes when you read scripture and suddenly you're just reminded that the Lord has seen you and he hasn't left you alone. And for the people in the desert, he shows up. And we talked before about he was leading them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire at night so they could still see. And so they've camped at this place and he shows up again and just reminds them, I'm here. I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and I still care and I'm going to bring you food. So along with bread, Yahweh promised some meat there. I don't know if you read that. So he said meat at night and bread in the morning. So let's read what Chef Yahweh's meal kit contained here. Verse 13. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. So we have quail at the night, which is a ground bird, so it would land on the ground and be easier to catch. Uh, And then we have frosted flakes in the morning. Now apparently, uh, they would probably take those flakes and grind them up. They still had to do some of the prep work. They had the ingredients given to them, but they still got to do the work. They grind it up. Uh, In other verses, it mentions boiling or baking, so I don't know if one of them was for the quail and one of them was for the bread, whatever. They're doing the prep work here, but I had to look it up. I had to ask people, like, what is coriander seed? Got a little picture here. Apparently, it's the seed that comes from the cilantro plant. So in other languages, there's not coriander and cilantro as two separate words. They call them the same thing. But see, it's kind of got it like a, a white look there. So that is the color of it. And then it tasted like wafers with honey, which just made me think of graham crackers, because that's just what I was wanting to eat that day. The Hebrew phrase for the question, what is it, is man I don't know how to pronounce that, but menu, mena, menha. I don't know. So then it became manna because they basically just called this thing like, what is it every day? That was, that's great. It's a good name. So let me explain the other details of the meal delivery service. There were three rules that God had for them. Rule number one, grab what you need per person per day. So further details said that every person gets it's a certain amount. It's called an omer, which historians think that's probably about three pounds worth of this seed per person. That's how much you were supposed to go gather of the flakes. Sorry, it's not a seed, it's a flake. That's how much you were supposed to gather out in the, in the yard, in the desert, on the, on the land somewhere. Now, sometimes people got more than what they needed. Sometimes people got less. But somehow when they got to their tent, it said it kind of all evened out in what was in their bag. So the Lord made this happen. Number two, Don't save any extra till morning. God was like, I'm going to provide for you daily. You can trust this. But of course, as they started out, people didn't trust that. So they saved it. And then some really gross, like, some maggots were in there in the morning. It wasn't a pretty sight. It said Moses was angry. He's probably like, guys, this smells. This is gross. I told you to just be patient, and you'll get the next day's Frosted Flakes, okay? On Friday, every Friday, go out and get two days' worth of stuff. Because 
God said, I have made Saturday, what we know as Saturday, a Sabbath day for you. You're going to rest. I'm going to give you plenty of food on Friday so you don't have to go out and do that work. It's in your home. You can make two meals at once on Friday and have Saturday already ready for you. So that was the Lord's plan. And of course, some people went out, didn't find anything to gather, just as they had been told. And at this point, God was frustrated and said, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? Here's the thing. Yahweh's desire for them is to be present. He's trying to build a relationship. So that involves trust, but it's also like, you guys, you've lived in subjugation for decades, for centuries. Everyone in this group has only known slavery. And God says, you don't have to work every day. I am not like Pharaoh. I'm not like the slave masters. I care about your well-being. And you get to just be. And you get to eat. And you get to rest. It was a gift. He wasn't trying to punish them. He was trying to help them in their rhythms to have rest for their bodies and rest for their souls. So the underlying piece of each of these, you think about it, God's like, I know you're on a journey. You're not sitting still farming this land. You're on the move. So God's like, this is one less thing to worry about. I'm providing you the food. But just rest and enjoy and let's go with this plan together. The goal hopefully, was that after all of these days of practice again and again every morning to learn to trust that the manna would be there, trust that quail was coming at some point, that then hopefully this attitude of this leaning on God, this gratitude for what they'd been given, would form habits. And so that when they did get to a land that would be their own, when they did get to settle, that hopefully then the point was for them to continue that relationship of trust with the Lord. And that by, by learning day by day now, that they would have habits that would be in their lives for the years to come. And in verse 35, we see how long this actually happened. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years. Until they came to a land that was settled, they ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. We'll read later, or we may not even get to these verses, but there's some reasons why it took that long for them to get where they needed to go. But even in times of frustration and distrust, the Lord continued to provide food for them. And sure, maybe they got a little tired of the same meal every day, but the Lord was trying to instill in them a relationship, one that worked back and forth. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle to have this food every day for a million people. Now this story, it was not just for Israel for those 40 years. The idea of relying on the Lord for all of our resources and knowing that he is the author and creator of the good things in our lives, that is something that Jesus taught when he was on earth. Because Yahweh is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who took care of Israel in Egypt is the same God who appeared as Jesus in Jerusalem. And he taught his followers a prayer that we know of as the Lord's Prayer. And in that it says, give us today our daily bread. We've probably all heard that or perhaps prayed that 
And maybe different things come to your mind when you pray that. But probably when Jesus first said it, he was talking to an audience of Jewish people, and they might have reflected back on their ancestors receiving manna from the hand of the Lord every day. And so Jesus' prayer might have felt like, okay, a callback to their history. Now, God is the one that provides. And Jesus taught them, even when you're the ones working full-time, remember that the Lord has given you the strength to go farm. The Lord has given you crops to bring in. The Lord has given you the family who sits around your table whose stomachs are being filled with this food. Jesus said, just remember. And you think like, I can do the work. I'm the one that's going out and doing it every day. I don't have to rely on manna appearing in the desert. But Jesus is like, remember who is the author of these things. Rich Velotis is a pastor in New York City, and he was thinking about this daily dependence and how that translates to us today. And here's a quote I found from him. Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread, but we'd rather have a Costco relationship with God. We'd rather have stuff with bulk so as not to come back to God often. But we can't live without daily dependence. I am seeing some smiles. There was a a Facebook conversation about Costco memberships lately between some Echo friends. Won't name any names. And that's okay. This is not. Here's the caveat. This is not a scripture to say, okay, everyone needs to live paycheck to paycheck and you can, only, you can only buy what you need for the day. That's not like the, the idea is to rely on the Lord. In fact, there's scriptures, there's other pieces of scripture where God told people, a famine is coming, you need to store up food. And you need to have enough to share with the people who didn't store up. So that is, our idea is to say, if you have an abundance now, then share it with others. Be willing to share with those in need. And if you can only live day to day, then keep trusting in the Lord. But whether we have work or whether we're between jobs, whether we can buy in bulk or whether we just go to the store when we have a few books, we can turn to God and say, recognize him not just as the creator of life, but the sustainer. And that's a word that I don't often like attribute or say or name to God. Think of him as creator, but sustainer, meaning that I wake up in the morning and my my body is functioning. My life is sustained by my breath and my blood, my heartbeat, my lungs. The Lord's trying to sustain us. And what Jesus said in that prayer and what God was trying to teach the Israelites is a day-to-day sustaining to return to him to say, today you've given, you've given life, You've given sustenance, and we thank you. So there are three lessons in the story of manna that I want us to remember today. The three lessons are gratitude, rest, and trust. And you remember when we talked about Yahweh is a God of holistic care, that he cares about the physical. He cares about our mental well-being. He cares about our spiritual development. Well, think about it. Gratitude. There's studies that show that that our minds can comprehend challenges in our life when we keep gratitude in there as well. Rest. Our physical bodies need it. And we tend to go as a culture, go fast, go hard until we crash. 
And yet God was saying, I'm putting in rhythms of rest. It's a gift. And then trust. Trust is that spiritual part of our lives. To lean on a God we cannot see. It requires trust. And all three of those are pretty vulnerable, don't you think? If you're grateful, then you're like, I have a need and I can't fill it on my own. Or someone was very generous to me and I don't feel like I deserve it. And they love me and they've given me something and I'm grateful. But I also feel like that love is vulnerable, right? Rest is vulnerable to say, I'm going to take a break and expect that things will happen without me. Trust. Trust is very vulnerable. And a God who promises tomorrow that we can't see yet. And the great thing is that Yahweh's had practice in dealing with human beings for a while. And he looks at us and he knows that it's hard to be vulnerable. And that he gave the Israelites day after day a practice of gratitude, rest, and trust, all in that form of bread. And we get the opportunity today and tomorrow and the next day where God says, I care about not just your physical, but about who you're becoming. Look like me in gratitude, rest, and trust. The fun thing is, I'm not going to talk about food without offering us some. Because what we do at the end of every service is we remember that Jesus came to earth as God. And he died and he rose again. And he said, have a meal to remember these things. We eat bread we drink juice, and we remember Jesus' sacrifice. So as we close today, we're going to have friends serving down front. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have some music in the background. And just come down front. And if you feel like participating in this meal, consider gratitude. Consider resting in the Lord. And consider trust. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for being creator of life and sustainer of our lives. Thank you for providing and showing up in the desert. Thank you for showing up in our lives. We're grateful for all the ways you sustain us, even even the times we don't always attribute it to you. We thank you for the ability to work and to move and to provide for our households. And we turn to you and say, we know you are the one making a way for us. We thank you for sending Jesus that our spirits can rest assured for eternity, that you've taken care of our need. And we celebrate his sacrifice and your gift to us through this meal together. Help us to receive it in gratitude, rest, and trust. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.